0: While the Pharisees have the letter of the law correct, they completely miss the heartbeat of the law. Their strictness and self-righteousness has completely left them blind and hardened. It's hardened their hearts from seeing the Sabbath as actually an invitation to freedom. So last week we uh, we talked about how Jesus is instituting this new thing, right? We, we got back into our submarine, right? We... We set out again on our exploration into the depths of Mark um, and Cole beautifully displayed the way Jesus, he's in, inaugurating this new kingdom. And we asked the question, uh, what is God like in public? That's, that's the question that we're asking, right? What, what is God like in public? And Jesus last week, we see that he answers that perfectly by saying that the kingdom of God is like new wine, new wine in new wineskins. skins. Meaning that the kingdom of God is the new work that grows and expands, much like the fermentation of new wine. And because this new kingdom, this new wine is growing, it requires new skins that are flexible and that can expand with it. Which means that the old ways of religion and thinking about God can't hold this new thing that Jesus is bringing Or as Kent Hughes says in his commentary on the book of Mark, he says, the new life that he, Jesus, brings cannot be held in old religious structures or old lives. This morning, as we dive deeper into the book of Mark, we are again going to look at this expansion, this expansion of this new wine that's going to break these old wineskins of religion and tradition. And specifically this week, what we're going to see is we're going to see Jesus expand on the meaning of Sabbath. What is it for, right? How do we treat the Sabbath? What can we do on the Sabbath? What can't we do on the Sabbath? And, And most importantly, how should we view the Sabbath? So Jesus has a lot to say. So if you're able, let's stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to be in Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 28. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there. You can scroll there or it's on the screen for you. Mark 23. Mark 2, excuse me, 23. On the Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields and his disciples began to make their way, picking some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look. Why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David and those who were with him did when he was in need and hungry? How he entered the house of God in the time of Apathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priest. And also gave some to his companions. And he told them, a, a, the Sabbath was not made for man. Excuse me, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So then the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. This is the word of the Lord. It is good. It is true. You may be seated. All right. So when we open our text this morning, um, we find Jesus and his disciples walking through the fields on the Sabbath day. It feels like a Hallmark movie, right? We come to the text. It feels like, I imagine that the weather's nice. The sun is shining. The breeze is blowing ever so slightly. I imagine it's just a good day. Good day to be a good dude. And what we learned very quickly is that these seemingly normal, this seemingly normal day with these seemingly normal actions, in fact, they, they, they're going to open up this huge conflict again between Jesus and the Pharisees. So I'll recap a little bit who the Pharisees are, right? The, if you're new here or if you're new, unfamiliar with who the Pharisees are, they are a sect of Jewish teachers who believe that they had um, the right interpretation of the way of following. Uh, the law of Moses, this law that was given by Moses, um, given to Moses to give to the people of God so that they would know how to live in right relationship with God. The Pharisees, what they believed is that it was in their strict adherence to the law that they would earn their way into right relationship and standing with God. And in doing so that they would then usher in the coming kingdom. And it's this thinking that has again caused tension between these teachers of the law and Jesus. Um, and the tension arises as the disciples of Jesus walk through a grain field and pick uh, heads of grain um, on the Sabbath. Um, and if you're like me, you're like, like why are y'all arguing about this? <laughs> But before we move forward, we have to unpack the Sabbath and the significance that it's had in the life of the people of God. Because I think that if we see that, then we understand like what's actually happening here. So um, in the beginning, right, Genesis 1, God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates everything that we see. He creates uh, smell and taste and experience. Uh, He creates the the dogs and, and the cats and, and the mountains and the trees and the seasons and the day and the night, and then he creates oh, and then he creates humans in his own image. And after creating everything, he proceeds to rest on the seventh day. In fact, God doesn't just rest on the seventh day, when He creates the seventh day, He calls that seventh day blessed and holy. In fact, that word holy is the root word that we get from uh, holiday. You know, when you think about a holiday. So in a real sense, you can argue that the Sabbath is the first holiday in the Bible. Right? And then we don't hear much about the Sabbath until uh, after the Israelites are freed from Egyptian slavery. And and so so God frees the Israelites through like this mighty work. And then he gives them the, the Ten Commandments. And this is what we read about the, Ten Commandments, about the Sabbath and the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. It says, remember Exodus 20, verse eight through 11, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your, or your male or female slave, your livestock or your foreigner who is within your gates for... The Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything that is in them in six days. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. So Moses reminds the people of how God labored and rested, and then he calls them to do the same. On the Sabbath, you are to rest. Everybody say rest. Rest. You're to rest. And although we also find in the Ten Commandments, this commandment about the Sabbath um, is also, it's like, it, we, we find that the commandment about the Sabbath is the longest commandment. That's not the reason why it's given so much emphasis. That's not the reason why it's important. Uh, the Sabbath was important to the people of God, not only because you rested on the Sabbath. The Sabbath isn't just for rest, but there's another function to the Sabbath, Right? The Sabbath was important to the people of God, not only because you rested on the Sabbath, but because it was your sign week by week throughout all generations that preached the salvation of God to the community. Deuteronomy 5 says this. Remember, remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a strong hand and an outrage and outreach arm. That is why the Lord has commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So on the Sabbath, you're also to remember. Everybody say remember. 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 Amen, Josiah. So we're to rest and to remember. God gives the people the Sabbath to help them not only rest from the labor, but to help them remember that they are no longer slaves. And as free people, they are to rest. As you can imagine, this was an important day for the people of God. Just need to go ahead and take this out. And God wants them to take it seriously. And because because he wants them to take it seriously, in the Old Testament, there's rules and regulations about what you could and what you couldn't do. So much so that Exodus 31 says that the Sabbath is so important that if anyone violates it, they must be cut off from the people of God. And if anyone profanes it, they must be put to death. So when we see this conflict arise between Jesus and the Pharisees, we have to recognize that in the eyes of the Pharisees, these religious, strict law keepers, this isn't just a minor shortcoming. In their mind, this may be a reason to put Jesus and his disciples to death. They accuse Jesus's disciples of breaking the law. And it's because. It's because. Oh, Sorry, it's, it's a matter of death because in their eyes, um, just like we saw last week, their understanding of the law is very short sighted. They strain at one section of the law and it causes them to miss what the, what the law truly, what it truly means. While the Pharisees have the letter of the law correct, they completely miss the heartbeat of the law. Their strictness and self-righteousness has completely left them blind and hardened. It's hardened their hearts from seeing the Sabbath is actually invitation to freedom it's an invitation to freedom but jesus is a good teacher y'all he's a good teacher and he knows the law both in what it says and the reason why the lord has given it and what we see him do is share a seemingly unrelated example to show the very heart of, of of god so after jesus listens to the accusations of the pharisees he tells this story about David and his friends. He tells this story about David and his friends fleeing persecution from King Saul. And if you're like me, when I was studying this verse, when you get to this point, you're like, this makes no sense. How does, how does this relate to, to this accusation? But if you give me time, I promise it's going to open up something super beautiful. Um, it's going to open up the, the beautiful truth that's in our text this morning. Um, If you are unfamiliar with the story that that Jesus is telling in in 1 Samuel, uh, God, through the prophet Samuel, anoints David. We all know David, right? David, a small little shepherd boy to be king over Israel. Because the current king, uh, he's losing favor over God because he's just wilding out. He's just doing a bunch of crazy things. And God's like, "Nah, I need to take my spirit from him and I need to put it into somebody else. So after anointing David, David kills Goliath. And then he's employed by the current king as a warrior. And then David, he becomes really successful. And the people in the kingdom, they just begin to notice his giftedness. They even make songs about him. And um, the only problem with this is that Saul, the current king, is like very jealous. He's very jealous because he's threatened uh, by David. He's, he's threatened that he, he doesn't want to lose his throne And so this causes David to flee with a small group of men. And thus we enter the story that Jesus begins to tell to the Pharisees. After being accused by the Pharisees, Jesus looks at them and says, Have you never read what David and those who were with him did when he was in need and hungry? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar, the high priest, and ate the sacred bread, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priests and also gave some to his companions. Now again, why why would Jesus tell this story? How does this story of David eating bread and passing it to his companions relate to what Jesus' disciples are doing, right? How how does it relate to Jesus' disciples eating grain on a Sabbath? Well, I'm glad you asked. In this story, in the story of David, you have his followers doing something that would have been, in the words of the Pharisees, unlawful. Yet, there is no record, when we read our scriptures, there's no record that God condemned the actions of David and his followers. And the Pharisees, they would have known that. They would have known that, they would have known because of their, how, how ingrained the law of Moses was in their brain, they would have known about this incident and known that there was nothing that condemned what happened. In fact, it was a common understanding that what David did was not wrong at all, even though the law of Moses specifically prohibited anyone other than the priest to eat the bread of the presence. So what's going on here? What's going on? Has God shown David and his followers special treatment? Does God not really care about the law? No, that's not the case at all. Jesus, he shares this story of God seemingly allowing David to break the law because it reveals the very heart of the law. It reveals the heart of the law and the heart of the law is a direct reflection of the heart of God. The law isn't a set of rules and regulations so that God can just keep people in order and make sure that they behave correctly. I mean, it definitely has that effect, right? But if that's all that the law is to us, then we're missing the best part of it, y'all. We're missing the best part of it. We miss the best part of God. And that's what, that's what we see in the Pharisees. They are missing the best part of the Sabbath. In Jesus telling this story, we see a glimpse at the true heart and the purpose of the law. We get a glimpse of the heart of God. We get a glimpse. We get a glimpse of it when God responds to David and his companions because they were in need and hungry. And this is the point of the law. The whole point of the law is so that God will protect and nurture and care for his people. God gives the law so that God's people wouldn't be lost without a way to go. God gives the law so that the vulnerable are taken care of. God gives the law so that his people would be healthy and not burnt out. God gives them the law to show that life, to show them what life with God is really like. The law, the law of God is meant to be a key to freedom, not chains of slavery. This is why, although the bread of the presence um, of God was only meant to be eaten by the priests, God allows David and his people to eat it. And because the heartbeat of the law reflects the heartbeat of God, God stays innocent of breaking the law and allowing them to eat the bread. The whole point is for them to be taken care of. The bread is, in fact, doing what it was meant to do, to feed and care for the people of God. <sighs> And what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees is this. This is what the Sabbath is for. Jesus is looking at them and saying, my disciples are hungry and in need. Do you think that just because this day is considered holy, that they should starve? That makes no sense. That's ludicrous. Your rules have blinded you from the heartbeat of the law. It's blinded you from the heartbeat of God. And we know this to be true, Right? Like, we know that this, that, that this thinking is, is true because ambulances, they don't follow the speed limit when there's an emergency. They just don't. Police officers, they don't follow the traffic lights when someone is in need, right? No one in their right mind would say, look, they're breaking the law. That doesn't make any sense. Though their actions make them look like they're breaking the law, what they are actually doing is fulfilling the heartbeat of the law. laws that are only put in place to serve and protect and care for people who are in need. And in the same way, though it seems that in the example in this example that David is he's breaking the law it seems that way, he's in fact fulfilling the heartbeat of the law which is to protect, nurture and care for the people of God. And this is why Jesus uses this example. You guys track it with me? Sweet. The law is a key that allows us to walk into the room of freedom. It's not intended to be shackles and chains. And this is what the Pharisees failed to see. They failed to see that the law isn't a lock, but it's a key. The law isn't primarily a rule book, but it's, it's, it's a party invitation. And specifically, the Sabbath isn't just, it's not a jail sentence. It's a gift that you get from RSVPing yes to God's party invitation. And this gift, this gift is that on the Sabbath we get to enter into the presence of God where there is provision, salvation, and rest. And this is why Jesus concludes the story of David and his companions by summarizing and saying, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Do you know that God has given you a gift? Did you know that every week, God special wraps a present for you? This is what the Pharisees, this this is what they are failing to see. They see the Sabbath as a day to obey and to keep holy, right? They see the Sabbath as another way to earn their way into God's party. But family, that's ridiculous because that's not what gifts are made for. Gifts are made to be enjoyed. They are made to be used. They were made. They were, they were made to be used. You were not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for you. And this seems ridiculous that they can't even see that the Sabbath was made for enjoying God. It seems ridiculous that instead of freedom, they would subject themselves to slavery. But like Tara said, we do the same thing, right? We do the same thing. Just replace Sabbath with any good gift that God has given us. We, too, are prone to volunteer slavery to that thing, right? Just replace Sabbath with anything, right? You were not made for work. Work was made for you. You were not made for money. Money was made for you. You were not made for sex. Sex was made for you. You were not made for friendship. Friendship was made for you. You were not made for marriage. Marriage was made for you. Anytime you flip that sentence, it's subtle, right? But anytime you flip that sentence, we treat the good gifts of God less like a party invitation to enjoy and more like a jail sentence. When we view work or money or friendship or even marriage... As what we were made for, we orbit our lives around the creation, becoming a becoming slaves to those things, working hard to please and obey our gods and receiving nothing in return. Um, and this, my friends, is what the Bible calls idolatry. Right. It started in the garden with Adam and Eve and it's spread to us as well. This isn't just a Pharisee problem. This is our tendency as well. This is our tendency as well. We all take the good things that God has made and make them God. As opposed to seeing these good things as invitations into God's party for greater enjoyment of God. This is what the Pharisees are experiencing. They see the Sabbath as something that they were made for. They live as though they were made for the Sabbath, but Jesus, in love rebukes the idolatry of their lives and in love tells them that the Sabbath was made for them. It is their gift from God. And family, this still rings true for us today. The Sabbath is God's gift for the needy and the neglected, right? The Sabbath is God's gift for the tired and the tormented. The Sabbath is God's gift for the weary and the worried. The Sabbath is God's gift for the overworked and the overachiever. (laughs) The Sabbath is God's gift for the hurting and the hungry. The Sabbath is God's gift to what? Rest and remember. Remember, remember that right from our explanation of the Sabbath. It's for resting and remember, remembering. And as I was just this week, as I was just meditating on this scripture and I was like, Yes, the Sabbath is for resting and remembering. And then I begin to like lean into the the last words of Jesus in our text. I was just like, oh my gosh. Jesus is the Sabbath. Like it's always been about Jesus. This morning, if you'll let me preach a little bit, the Sabbath isn't something, it's someone. This is what Jesus says in the last verse of our text. Jesus is the Sabbath. He says... So then the son of man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. If the Sabbath is a time to rest and remember, and if Sabbath is a gift from God for more enjoyment of God, then we have to realize that we find the fullness of the Sabbath promise in the person, and work of Jesus. In Jesus, right? Let me, let me just paint this picture for you, right? In Jesus, we can rest, In Jesus, we can rest because what we find in him is all the law requires. He meets and fulfills it on our behalf. There is no work required in him. Uh, there's no work required because in him, the law's requirements have been accomplished fully and completely. He lives the perfect life in obedience to God. He loves God with all his mind, soul, heart, and strength. He loves his neighbors as himself. He casts out demons and heals the hurting and cleanses the unclean and rewards the faithful with salvation. And in our place, he dies a sinner's death. Though we earned that death, Jesus steps in and dies in our behalf. Have a death that our idolatry earns, right? A death that was humiliating, a death that was shameful and public. Jesus dies, a death that shakes the foundations of the earth and then it turns the sky dark a death that we are spared from because Jesus, he dies for us. Jesus is our Sabbath because in Jesus we can rest because all of those who place their faith in his work on the cross, they never taste the wrath of God because Jesus has done this on our behalf. In Jesus, we can rest because he gives us his spotless, perfect record of righteousness. We can rest because by faith in him, we don't need to worry if we'll be good enough right he has done that for us family if you have placed your faith in jesus you can inhale deeply and exhale deeply you are counted righteous you can rest you can lay your burdens down you can throw your attempts to please god out the window because in jesus you have rest he is the lord of the sabbath he is the god of our rest but while Jesus is our rest, we also look to Jesus and we remember. When we look to Jesus, you are reminded of how God views you, right? If you have placed your faith in the finished work of Christ, when you look to Jesus, you remember that the Father He is freaking head over heels for you. When you look to Jesus, you see that the Father looks at you and is well pleased with you. What we said? What, what did you say? Uh, he gushes the father. He, he gushes over you the same way that the, the heavens open up and the spirit of God descends on Jesus and Jesus and the voice from heaven says, this is my son who I am well pleased in. That's how God looks at you. And when you look to Jesus, you're reminded that, oh my gosh, there's a God in heaven who created the cosmos who can't take his eyes off of me. That's, that's what we see. That's what we see when we look at Jesus. When you look to Jesus, you see that your sins, they are dealt with. That as far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed your sins from you. When you look to Jesus, you remember that although death is a reality in the old kingdom, right? In the new kingdom, there is no death because Jesus rose from the grave. Excuse me. And if he rose from the grave, if he rose from the dead, that means that you will too. In fact, it means that because you are his, you will never taste death, though your body, it wastes away. In fact, when you look to Jesus, you remember that you are getting a new body to enjoy in the new heavens and the new earth. A body that won't have sin, a body that won't have tears or heartache or sadness or hurting or disease. When you look to Jesus, you remember that the new creation has already begun in you. The Spirit of God that lives in you is the first fruit. So when you look to Jesus, you produce its fruits like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Family, Jesus, Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, right? The Sabbath, the Sabbath day was always meant to find its ultimate yes and amen in Jesus. That's the whole point. The whole point of the Sabbath is to rest and remember the work of Christ. He is our soul's rest. So how dare we not accept this invitation to this party? How dare we not accept the Sabbath invitation for joy and satisfaction? The Sabbath is God's invitation to you. The question is, have you RSVP'd? Have you planned to to rest in Jesus? Um, I got one challenge, and I'm gonna get out your way. Um, you guys still tracking with me? You good? Okay, thank you. I feel like it's been kind of chaotic up here, so I appreciate y'all's patience. Um, but this is this is good. This is by by the way, this is the reason why we have oriented the way that we follow Jesus in this church around. The Sabbath, right? The Sabbath is one of our key uh, ways that we answer the question, "How do you follow Jesus?" We we take a day and we set it apart to specifically rest and remember all that Jesus has done for us. Um, so, my challenge to us this week uh, is to pick a day, any day. Maybe some of y'all y'all do this, um, but. Pick a day, any day, and, the, and you have one goal and one goal only, and you use it to rest from your work and you use it to remember that you are no longer a slave to sin. But you've been freed by the work of Jesus, right? Maybe, so maybe that looks like taking a walk in nature to orient your heart to the fact that God is a good creator. Maybe that's reading a book that fills your mind with the fantastic words that draw your heart to the author of the cosmos, Right. Parents with littles, maybe that's rolling around on the floor and getting goofy with the kids to remind you that God is playful and he enjoys you. He doesn't just tolerate you. He enjoys you. There are many ways that you can practice the Sabbath. But the Sabbath has one purpose and one purpose only to help the people of God to help us rest in Jesus and remember the work of God through Jesus. He is the Lord of the Sabbath, y'all. He is our rest. You weren't made for the Sabbath. But don't be mistaken, it was made for you. This is God's gift to you. Let's not neglect it. And this is what the Pharisees, this is what they fail to see. They 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 view the Sabbath as this thing that they have to do, rather than this party invitation to more enjoyment and, and, and bliss with God. So. That's my prayer for us this morning is that we would see that this is a gift from God. Let's pray. Um, Jesus, you are Lord and you are sovereign. Even over mic hiccups and lost places and notes and doubts, you are the Lord of the Sabbath. You are Lord. And so um, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would... um, Would you grant our church the eyes to see the gift that you give us every week? Every week, you give us the opportunity to rest in the finished work of Christ and remember that one day you are making all things new. And so if there's anyone on the side of my voice who doesn't know you, Lord, as the Lord of rest, I pray that even now, Lord, would you... Soften their hearts to come to you and find their ultimate rest in in Jesus. Um, In Jesus' name, amen.